101.1 FM and all the time at kpfa.org. Thank you very much. Stay tuned now for Jennifer Stone with Cover to Cover. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who in light, light them up, boys, there's your picture, drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, and today... Oh, it's October the 2nd, 2012, and uh, I'm a little frantic, uh, panicked. I just realized that I will be off the air for the next two Tuesdays, which will give me, I think, one Tuesday before the election. Oh, my God. Uh, Oh, I got frantic last night trying to think of the one brilliant thing that would stop people from from uh, experimenting with third parties. This is not the year for it. But uh, to hell with politics. I, I, can't, I can't cover everything. And besides, I'm, I'm not the right person. I really don't. I don't have the kind of wisdom that, that can see, what is that, a presidential election as bringing about uh, the kind of changes. Well, of course, of course. We got to do the right thing, and I'm proud of my friends who are out raising money for Barack. Uh, uh, today, I got a book for you. It's all about the Brontes. Uh, oh, yeah, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about my literary history, the world uh, which created me. Now, uh, I think that may be a pain in the in the butt for some of you, but I've got this book here. It's a thousand pages long. It's all about a family that reminds me of my own. Uh, last night, well, hmm, I woke up at 3, 3 a.m. this morning it was. There was uh, some, well, I guess I have to call it screaming across the street from me. Finally, there were some police sirens and that sort of thing. I live in West Berkeley. Mostly I can sleep through the night and mostly I feel safe. Uh, I'm up there on the third floor at the Harriet Tubman Terrace, but from time to time I still wake up scared in that world of childhood, you know. I hear what <laughs> what is euphemistically called domestic violence. That stupid phrase, anyway. Uh, talk about dismissing humanity's basic disease. I'm 78 years old, and I can... Uh, I guess it's still... I can still hear it. It's the old tapes. Uh, let's see. Back in 1971, I was assaulted in the same neighborhood, uh, the one I live in now, but that 
Well, you know, for an adult, it's kind of like a car wreck, you know. Uh, at least for someone like me. Uh, my deepest fear is the one that goes all the way back to that period in childhood when... What is that? We did not know. We did not know what to expect. Uh, it gives It gives us the... The haunting, dark secrets. Uh, so many of us live with that stuff. Oh, Virginia Woolf said it. She said, I will be doing this dance on hot bricks until I die. Uh, we never trust. Never trust. Anyway, happens when the family that raises us is dysfunctional. It shapes our psyche. And if you were in the Bronte family back in the early and middle 19th century, uh, <laughs> your psyche was soaked in that stuff, stained with all that pain. Uh, they call that a psychological set, a way of seeing the world. And, of course, what the Brontes did was to live in their minds, to create their own world. Uh, this big biography I have uh, goes in great depth into the the worlds that these uh well, one brother and uh, three sisters. Uh, uh, the world that they created, the kingdom of Gondal. You know, their life was intolerable, so they made up an alternative world. Yes. Two eldest sisters died when they were about 11 and 12. They were sent away to school. You remember uh, the story of Jane Eyre in which we see the Lowood School for Orphans. Uh, that was the school that Maria and Elizabeth went to where they died. There was, a, I think, a typhoid epidemic. Anyway, uh, yes, the older sister Maria was played by Elizabeth Taylor in the movie. Right. Anyway, this book is all about an Irish father, Patrick Bronte, born in 1777. He was a clergyman, carried a little gun, Patrick, Patrick. Uh, son of poor farmers, his original name, Bronte, B-R-U-N-T-Y. <laughs> he, he fancied it up, you know. Uh, like my father, he was a man who worked desperately hard to get out of the lower classes, get to Cambridge. Um, you know, he had a degree of success, and with it came failure because he fell in love, married, and his wife had six children in seven years. <laughs> anyway, last night I I was trying, well, I was reading at this book and watching out of the corner of my eye a television show called Half the Sky, and then it followed, that was two hours long, and then it was followed by an hour of women and war and all that good stuff. PBS does its proper job, you know. They tell us that uh, the war on women continues and that, uh, what is it, it's getting worse. Uh, New York Times columnists, all the right people were there, including Meg Ryan. <laughs> anyway, my line is always the battle for men's minds is often fought on the field of women's bodies. The fate of women is kind of the centerpiece, you know. If you want to know what's going on, 
Look at the adolescent girls, the young women who are about to give birth. The uh, the young women in any culture globally, uh, from America with its little anorexic girls, you know, to, what was it, um, in the program, half the sky it was Cambodia, Vietnam, Sierra Leone. Thank God the uh, television shows pointed out that women and girls are the solution to the problems as well as the primary victims, you know. You go back far enough in history, women are the first class. It was Yoko Ono who said it. Woman, she said, woman is the nigger of the world. And then the great German philosopher Goethe came along and he said, the eternal feminine... The eternal feminine leads us on. Now, most men know all about this, if they've got brains. The ones who don't are still a clear and present danger to all of us. (laughs) Now, when you watch the presidential debates, you don't have to. I probably will. Uh, Think, think... uh, about whether or not they, everything they say affects the lives of women, I can guarantee you, you won't hear much, you know, about the war on women specifically. They'll talk about the poor, they won't use that word, um, oh, code for race, gender. Even Hillary Clinton these days, she usually leads with... Uh, the eternal political BS about military violence, of course. Uh, you know, the war between or among the nations. Now, we know that the blood on the battlefield is no longer the biggest crime. It's the civilians who suffer in modern wars. Uh, but the blood feud, the one that goes back to our beginnings, is the constant, constant the domestic violence. Fascism begins in the crib, the cradle in the home. My mother died of domestic violence and my sister. And their own internal oppression was part of their problem, of course. This book, uh, the one I brought with me today in hopes that you want a copy, is a biography of the Bronte family. Uh, maybe not typical, <laughs> but certainly, certainly it's, um, it's the kind of story that hasn't and will never go away until we have a fundamental change consciousness, you know. Uh, the daddy, Patrick Bronte, was a man of God, a clergyman. My father was a healer, a doctor. But the pathology of the home lives of these men, the driven men, it's all about, well, it's a psychodrama. Ah, Most of the people I talk to today dismiss the um, Brits, the British elite, you know, as some kind of upper crusters, uh, <laughs> dead white women, right. 
Actually, the Bronte family was poor, extremely poor. Charlotte, Emily, and Anne bought their writing paper just a few sheets at a time. Their brother Branwell got what little resources they had. They hoped that he would uh, do the family proud. I think it's kind of funny that Charlotte Bronte uh, writes in one of her letters that the boys are in more danger than the girls in her culture, in her society. The girls are repressed, kept at home, whereas the boys are given a certain amount of freedom so they can become corrupted and go nuts, <laughs> take opium and go to the local bar. And, uh, maybe she's right. Maybe she's right. Uh, in today's world, uh, oh, the life of the writer, the life of the artist... Uh, I suppose, I suppose it's better to be J.K. Rowling, who has made a billion dollars by now. If I uh, check check the current New Yorker, if uh, if I'm right, yes, a billion dollars, and um, uh, <laughs> her only nonfiction work. Well, she's written one review, a few things, but anyway. We mustn't fuss, we mustn't fuss. Um, Charlotte Bronte got 500 pounds for the novel Jane Eyre. Uh, Emily was dead at 29 before she even knew that she'd written a masterpiece, that Wuthering Heights was uh, possibly the greatest work in English literature. And Bronte died in Scarborough. I love her books. They are much neglected. Uh, mostly they were about what happens to the wives of alcoholics. Uh, special, the tenant at Wildfeld Hall, special area of interest for me. Um, yes, she died in Scarborough, so I think her ghost does not haunt the old parsonage there on the Yorkshire Moors. Uh, Charlotte Bronte died of pregnancy, as her mother did, although I think her mother developed cancer. Uh, she died at the age of 39, like her mother, Maria Mm-hmm. So strange, she wrote to a friend that the facts of marriage were so different from the romantic illusions of her youth. Uh -huh. uh, the Bronte sisters are or were my consciousness raising. I got an M.A. in the works of the Brontes along with the works of Gertrude Stein. I needed, I needed both the... <laughs> Both ends of the uh, consciousness raising, what would it be, the, the rope, the rope we hang ourselves from. I think of writers as knots on the rope we can climb out of our despair. Anyway, this Anglo-Irish family is all about uh, the literary heritage of those of us here in the West, uh, I suppose Virginia Woolf tried to tried to sort the thing out. Uh, even Virginia Woolf was denied college. Her brother came first. Virginia Woolf is about the age of my grandparents. But the 19th century was a cauldron in which the women of the Western world uh, came up for air. I mean, you know, there have always been a few. Sappho had a girl's school on the island of Lesbos back in the day. But it was the Industrial Revolution that gave us this culture in which women have become prime movers so naturally. Uh, 
the backlash is about as powerful as the women's movement itself. A hundred million women disappeared around the globe and more than a hundred million women have been castrated, genitally mutilated in our time. Uh, And you know what we've come to think of them. Here's what Emily Bronte writes. Uh, She writes, Vain are the thousand creeds that move men's hearts. Unutterably vain, worthless as withered weeds or idlest froth amid the boundless main. She wrote that in 1846. Yep. Um, Of course, you know, these women were not free. Uh, not free to say what they felt about uh, their father, their brother, the world in which they lived. In one letter, Charlotte, who was always very ironic, unlike Emily, who was completely straightforward, uh, she said it was better not to think too much about women's lives. She said that women were often told that it was up to them to... uh, uh, order their own existence, and she said that uh, that wasn't possible yet. Let's see. Here we go. 1845, I want to read you this, in case I run out of time. This is Emily Bronte's uh, poem. I think Emily, as a poet, uh, is much neglected. I still read her poetry uh, regularly. Uh, What is it that Charlotte says about... Emily's poetry, she says, 1845, I accidentally lighted on a manuscript volume of verse in my sister Emily's handwriting. I was not surprised, knowing that she could and did write verse. I looked it over, something more than surprise seized me, a deep conviction that these were not common effusions, nor at all like the poetry women generally write. I thought them condensed and terse, vigorous and genuine. To my ear, they had also a Peculiar music, wild, melancholy, and elevating. Here's Emily writing, I assume, about her father. It's a poem called The Prisoner. My master's voice is low, his aspect bland and kind, but hard as hardest flint, The soul that lurks behind, and I am rough and rude, yet not more rough to see than is the hidden ghost that has its home in me. About her lips there played a smile of almost scorn. My friend, she gently said, you have not heard me mourn. When you, my kindred's lives, my lost life can restore, then may I weep and sue, but never, friend, before. Still, let my tyrants know I am not doomed to wear year after year in gloom and desolate despair, a messenger of hope 
comes every night to me and offers for short life eternal liberty. The prisoner ceased to speak, and we, unanswering, turned to go. We had no further power to work the captive woe. Her cheek, her gleaming eye, declared that man had given a sentence, unapproved, overruled by heaven. Okay, that's 1845, and it is true that Emily Bronte's short life, 29 years, has given her uh, eternal liberty, that is, she has given me and women like me uh, the lives that we have left, yes. And she says, I am Heathcliff. Uh, she's the anima or animus, the uh, the creature that uh, her sister Charlotte says <laughs> should perhaps not have been created being so violent. He was... Uh, homicidal, you remember uh, the woman in the story in Wuthering Heights is suicidal uh. <laughs> oh dear me um, I think what is it, I think that this book <laughs> this book is what is it, is the kind of reference book that I will use for the rest of my life I still refer to Elizabeth Gaskell's biography, The Life of Charlotte Bronte. This book supplements uh, that book. Everybody who studies the Victorian writers has a copy of Elizabeth Gaskell's The Life of Charlotte Bronte. <laughs> it, it was written while the father and was still alive and the husband, Arthur Nichols. Um, Charlotte married this clergyman, uh, here come Veronica, yes, and she's going to help me get some money from you folks. And, uh, uh-huh, yes, uh, I was reading over here, this woman, you know, was a fascinating, she was a romantic, this Charlotte. Uh, Emily was the man, she was the tough guy. Although, no, I didn't say that, I didn't say that. <laughs> she was both masculine and feminine, the ultimate androgynous woman. Charlotte was all woman. She just, she was in love with a guy who was her teacher in Belgium. His name was Paul Hager. And the letters she wrote to him were so scandalous that we could not, they could not be published in her lifetime. And they certainly weren't published when her father was still alive. Uh, let's see what you're doing. Oops. Oops, oops, oops. We're trying to get a mic on here, fellas. Sorry about that. Yeah, you know, it's live radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Talk about live. Talk about Jennifer's. Yes, okay. So, Jennifer. Uh-huh. We got to get some money here, exactly. sweetheart. Exactly. Is this the, the pitch sheet? Here we go. Here's the sheet. Okay, so now, Jennifer, Here's folks. Here's the sheet. Jennifer needs to raise... Fifteen hundred dollars right now. Oh my gosh, I can't. And do that. I, yes, you can, Jennifer. Okay, I, think I thought you can. it was seven fifty. And, no. and, and it's fifteen hundred, Jennifer. Oh. Really and truly, and but that's we a, can do it with your help. Now we oh. have copies of the Brontes by Juliet Barker. This wonderful book. It's really a book. It's a thousand pages. So everything you ever wanted to know almost about the Brontes. 
uh, by Juliet Barker for a donation of $100. So we simply need how many people, Jennifer? 10, 10, uh, 11, 12. We need 15 people to call in right now <laughs> and pledge to area code 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. Of course, you can donate securely online, but we prefer that you call and give the people in the phone room something to do. So, it's the Brontes by Juliet Barker for $100. Who can ask for anything more? And you know what? If you can't do it all at once, 100 we can spread it out for you. You can do $8.33 a month. But, Jennifer, help me, girl. I was going to say, uh, most people think, you see, that these are, these are stuffy Victorians. Charlotte uh, Bronte, she wrote these terrible letters and... Uh, they're all, what is it, uh, laced with hot chocolate desire. It's just shocking. Then, of course, she did get married and found out <laughs> that life life was not the romantic dream that she thought it was. Um, she's a fascinating woman. Her sister, Emily, is even more fascinating. Uh, now, I have here, what is it, the excerpts from the letters are the most fascinating uh I'm not sure. What have we got, dear? Okay, but you know what, Jennifer? I'm concerned because we just have about five minutes left, and so far no one's called in. And we're serious about this, folks. Now, if you love Jennifer, I know you do. That's why you tuned in. Demonstrate that by making your contribution to KPFA to keep this organization going and Jennifer in here as long as she wants to be by calling area code 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. Donate $100. Part of it's tax deductible. You will receive as a thank you gift the Brontes or if there's something else you prefer, you can ask the phone room people, but you have to call 1-800-439-5732. 510-848-5732. And if you are driving, by all means, pull over, but you must call. If you're eating, take a break, call. Pick up your phone or go to your phone, whatever your situation is, and dial 510-DIAL. Isn't that something? 510-848-5732. 1-800-439-5732. There is one person on the line, and I know there are probably about four or five people in the phone room, so they could all be busy. There's another caller. Thank you so much. Why don't you be the next one? It's 1-800-439-5732 or... 510-848-5732. Demons, show Jennifer some love. <laughs> she really needs it, don't you, Jennifer? Tell I'm, the truth. Yeah, the truth is, you know, I guess, you know, people find it hard to be interested in a woman who's was four foot nine. <laughs> oh, come on now. Now you're being heightest. Mm-hmm. Read the book and find out for yourself. See what you think. Area code 510-848-5732. Mm-hmm. 1-800-439-5732. Juliet Barker, very much like like Jennifer Stone here, has spent a good amount of time thinking about the Brontes. So you should see. <laughs> you should know for yourself what she came up with. There are three people on the line. Thank you for calling. $1,500. That's all we're asking. If we get... Say if we get seven more people on the line in the next three minutes, and Jennifer, I know it's possible, we can do this. Area code 510-848-5732 
1-800-439-5732, the Brontes. You know, if you're a certain age, you've been hearing about these folks for years. Well, Charlotte, if she and could. it turns out her family is something else. you got to see. Just like mine, if Charlotte could write Jane Eyre, because, you know, she was locked in a room with her father having a cataract operation. They couldn't turn the lights on, and she had to put the leeches over in his eyes, you know. That's so graphic, Jennifer. Isn't that perfect? Absolutely. 510 <laughs> Five, oh, seven, these three, Victorians, two. the well, the well that they drank the water from was sunk in the graveyard. Oh. Three sides of the parsonage was a graveyard, and that's nobody good. can make up stuff like that. One eight hundred four three nine five seven three two. If you love books, this is a serious book. This is the mother of books. Okay, as I mentioned, it's a thousand pages. It's hardback. They don't even make books like this anymore. Never mind about that e-book business. you got to get your own copy of The Brontes by Juliet Barker to add to your library. This area code 510, let me tell, you, tell them, Jennifer, 510-848-5732, 1-800-439-5732. Jennifer and I have been having fun. And Jennifer's going to take the next couple of Tuesdays off because, um, you know, it's time for a shift so she can shift gears and come back. In the meantime, in order for her to have a place to come back to, and I'm not being dramatic, you should donate to KPFA. It's a hard, yeah. It's by calling 510-848-5732, 1-800-439-5732. And I hope you don't think I'm being rude with Jennifer. It's just we have a limited amount of time. I have to uh, give out the number and encourage you to call and also let you know that you can donate securely online at www.kpfa.org. Jennifer wants me to be exactly the way I am on the radio. Anytime. Okay, so now you... Uh, I might as well thank the folks, uh, the folks who are feeding us. Semi Freddy's Cabot Creamery Cooperative is probably Cabot, but we say Cabot. Acme Bread, Donna's Tamales, Picante. Ooh, it's so good. Mexican gourmet food. All right, Eric, there are four people on the line. Keep calling. 510-848-5732-1-800-439-5732. I want you to know we really appreciate your support. Got to be we five English you. majors out there somewhere. Exactly.